So we continue our study in First Peter. And we come today to a, a, a topic that's kind of a challenge for us. I think it's a big challenge for us. A couple days ago, uh, I, I heard somebody say that uh, maybe they'll, they'll skip the next couple weeks. But I... You know, I, I, I think I can unpo- unapologetically say that uh, from, from God's word, we are called to be submissive. We're called to submission. And that's, for the next couple uh, sermons, that's what we're going to talk about. Today, it's going to be uh, about uh, submitting to uh, our, our government leaders and in our workplace, the, the people we, we work under. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, wives and husbands. So something to, something to look forward to. These are, these are challenging things, but, uh, you know, we, we, we hold fast to the, uh, to the true word of God. And um, so there was, there was an article in uh, Decision Magazine. Samuel Camelison illustrates the, uh, the difficulty of, of submission through a Christian folk story from South India. There's, there's several versions of this story, but here it opens up with a, a young boy who, who loves to play marbles. He, he regularly walked through his neighborhood with a, a pocket full of his, his best marbles, hoping to find opponents to play against. And one marble in particular, his, his special blue marble, his blue marble won him a lot of matches. Well, during one walk, he encountered a young girl who was eating a bag of chocolate candy. And though the boy's first love was marbles, he had a weakness for chocolates. And he stood there. As he stood there interacting with this young girl, his salivary glands and the rumbling of his stomach became uncontrollable. And he thought to himself, I've got to get my hands on those, on those chocolates. So concocting a plan, he asked the girl, how about if I give you all these marbles for those chocolates? And she said, sure, why not? Sounds fair to me. So he put his, he put his hand in his pocket, searching for the uh, distinguishing cracks on his, his blue marble. And once he identified the blue marble with his fingertip, he carefully pushed it to the bottom of his pockets, and, and he pulled out the, the other marbles. And as he handed the, the marbles to the girl in exchange for the chocolate, the boy thought his plan was a success, and he turned to walk away. And as he began to eat the candy, he suddenly turned to the girl and asked, Hey, did you give me all the chocolates? Well, our, our fallen nature persuades us to, uh, to posture ourselves in, in the same kind of deceptive and, and defiant attitude as this boy in the story, uh, we, we want everything the kingdom of God has to offer. We want to feel like uh, we've, we've got a good sense of God's presence. We want to feel like our prayers are, are answered. We want to feel close to Jesus and we want to flourish in, in God's glory. We, we want it all. But are we unwilling to give up everything for it? Many, many times there's a blue marble in our lives. A blue marble that we're unwilling to offer to the control of Christ. And until we can fully subjugate ourselves to God's will, our, partition, our participation in God's kingdom is, is going to be limited. 
So we're called to be submissive people. We're commanded to be submissive people in God's word. And we are not by our nature submissive people, are we? We're not. Yeah, we're told by the world, you know, we need to be lions, not sheep, right? Or, you know, we're told that we need to demand our rights. You know, our our, our, our country was, was born in, in rebellion and defiance, was, was it not? And we're taught to be uh, very proud of that. By nature, we're defiant. And that's, that's really what got us in trouble in the first place in, uh, in the book of Genesis. You know, is, is our submission our, our blue mar- marble? Is that the one thing that we're not willing to, to give to the Lord? You know, do we, do we hold back by not taking seriously the, the many commandments that we, that we have in the Bible to submit? Uh, you know, I, I believe the Bible, but, you know, there, there are certain things I just, I just don't agree with, Right? You know, we, we think we'll follow Jesus right up to that point to, be, to where there's a command and we explain it away. You know, we're, we're clearly told by God's word to, to humble ourselves and actually be subject to certain other people. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that we need to submit to each other. You know, it's a, it's a heart issue. It's a hard issue. Are we submissive people or are we defiant people? As, as, I, was, as I was thinking about this, I, I think this falls into the same category as uh, some, some other issues that we have. I'm reminded of articles I've read. I'm, I'm reminded of, of some people I've talked to who... have a hard time accepting what the Bible says about homosexuality. You know, starting with the premise, the, the false premise that God approves of it, they proceed to acknowledge that there are verses in the Bible that, uh, that deal with it, and they, they mockingly call these clobber verses. They either disregard them, they make fun of them, or, or they explain away. In the same way, I've, I've heard of I've heard people talking about the Bible passages that talk about submission. Sure, they're there, but we don't agree with them. Yeah, you know, they they kind of scoff at them. But we we run into one of those passages in Peter, and there there are some other ones. And I several weeks ago, I, I asked you to prayerfully consider some some verses on submitting to the the government. We're going to cover them today. We're going to look, though, at at two areas of submission today. Like I said, it's going to be government and workplace. These these two relational areas where we're called to be submissive. So we're going to uh, look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 13. 1 Peter 2. Verse 13, it says, be subject to the Lord or for the Lord's sake. 
Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish all who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. (laughs) We just sang about that. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if you do good and suffer for it, and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So let's, let's look first at uh, submission to uh, government authorities. You know, when we when we come to this passage, I don't, I don't know if we really think about how bad the government was at the time Peter was writing this. The, the emperor was Nero. After Rome burned to the ground in uh, AD 64, uh, this emperor Nero falsely accused Christians of, of starting the fire, and he condemned all Christians to death on the grounds that they were guilty of hatred towards the human race. Those who continued to profess Christ were rounded up, locked up. They were crucified. They were beheaded, sacrificed, dipped in oil and set on fire, or mauled to death by beasts in the Colosseum. You know, it was a life or death decision to be a follower of of Jesus Christ in Rome and in the uh, governed provinces even as it is in many dark corners of the world today. Yet, Peter says, be subject to every human institution, whether it be the emperor, who was Nero, or the the governors. Every human institution, uh, that's a a system of established authority that's the result of some founding action, governance system, authority system. And it's interesting that that Peter uses this inclusive word, every, every, be subject to every human institution, whether it be the emperor or governors, each and every one. Not just the ones we agree with, not just the ones that are godly, uh, this is surprising, is, is it not? You know, we need to keep in mind that this is, 
this is Peter. We have a lot of uh, information, a lot of history on him. This is the same Peter who in Acts chapter 5 was preaching the gospel of Jesus. And he was told by the, uh, the government, don't do that. Don't preach, don't preach the gospel of Christ. And what did Peter say? He said, we must obey God rather than men. What were the consequences, though? They beat him up and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, the Christ is Jesus. So they disobeyed, but they submitted by being willing to accept the the consequences. You know, there's that, that line where we're obeying God or man but it's a matter of heart. You know, the big, the big question I guess we have is, is why would God command us in such a clear manner to be subject to uh, all of the government leaders, you know, including the ones we don't like, the ones we don't agree with? You know, and the, the answer according to Peter is what? For the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, not for our sake. The authority flows from God. You know, Peter reminds the the church that when she honors the emperor and shows re- proper respect to all, you know, she honors the Lord. He, he reminds us that when God's people bless those who deserve a curse, when they tenderly love and care for the body of Christ, like like the members of their own family, that we are a blessing and, and loving our Lord. And then, in Paul. In, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul says this. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. And he goes on and gives a list. Lovers of money, boastful and proud, ungrateful, unholy, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, conceited, rash, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. You know, both Peter and Paul died as martyrs at, at the hands of, of an especially evil tyrant. You know, terrible times would, would lie ahead for, for this church that was, this fledgling church that was just getting started when, this, when these New Testament letters were, were written. But what, is, what does Paul say? He, he didn't say, you know, that... The, the, you know, the times will be terrible. The government's going to oppress you. The government's going to set you on fire and feed the animals. He said, what's the biggest thing? What's the first thing he says? People will be lovers of themselves. That's, that's the sign of, of the worst days. Uh, I want to I read another one of the passages that, that I asked you to, to prayerfully consider several weeks ago. Uh, Romans 13, let me, let me read the first uh, seven verses. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists God or what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You know, we need to, we need to ask ourselves, does, does God mean what he says in, in his word? Or do we explain it away? You know, notice that our, when, we, when we submit, our conscience will be clear, not only by doing what we see fit to do, but by being in subjection. Also notice the, the seriousness that we, we avoid God's wrath by, by submitting. These are strong words. Uh, another one, a little shorter. Paul writes to uh, Titus, telling him to remind the people people in the church, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak no evil or speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Submission, obedience, courtesy, these, (laughs) these, these things are commanded. These things are commanded. Let's get back to Peter. And he specifies who we're talking about, whether it be the emperor or supreme or or to governors as sent to him or by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Does this mean what it says? Uh, Yeah, I've heard people rationalize this, uh, uh, you know, saying things such as our government is constitutional. We've got a constitutional government. We we obey the Constitution. We submit to the Constitution. We don't submit to a man. Or, you know, I'll I'll submit if it makes sense. Or, you know, I'm not going to submit to an ungodly leader. I don't think the Holy Spirit who inspired this scripture gives us these, these caveats. You know, do we do we believe God's word or do we not? Is, is this our blue marble? You know, is this is this that one thing we're unwilling to to surrender to to God? Peter says government leaders have the authority to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. You know, the the idea is that we're given these leaders so that we can live decent and peaceful and orderly lives. Paul talked earlier about our conduct leading to God's glory. Lots of stuff in this book about the conduct of of Christians. 
This is the conduct God commands. This is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So our, our conduct should not fuel the, the criticism of people around us. You know, if we're, if we're accused of wrongdoing, it should be because of their ignorance, not because of our wrong conduct. Peter goes on, Peter goes on in verse 16 saying, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. You know, we enjoy great liberty as, as the children of God. but it's, it's a liberty that we should never use to be disobedient and, and defiant. You know, we're, we're free, but we're not free of God. Uh, we're, we're his servants. Uh, you know, the word is doulos, a, a bondservant or slave. As God's bondservants, you know, we must obey him. You know, we... What happens if we're disobedient to his commands and just claim Christian liberty? Is that is that okay? No. You know, Peter says that's a that's a cover up for doing evil. It's creating an excuse for, for being rebellious and, and defiant. Now if if this wasn't clear enough, Peter distills it into a very simple statement, and this is this is a key statement right here. Key command, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, who was Nero at the time. This is such a key verse. Let me repeat it. Honor everyone. This is verse 17. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. I'm not hearing a lot of amens today. Anyway, so Peter Peter continues this uh, this theme of, of submission. Uh, this 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 time, as, as he goes on, he, he talks about servants. Peter says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust." You know, doesn't this just rub against our grain? God's word, though, you know, the, 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 the word servant, uh, oikotes, from the root oikos, which means house. This word literally means a, a member of the household, you know, a, a household member who serves. The idea here really is uh, someone who is, in, in the first century, a, a house slave or, or a domestic slave. This is a, a servant working in the house who really belongs to the, uh, the master of the house. This is not a person who could quit if they get fed up with, with the treatment they, they're, they're getting. They can't, they can't just walk away if they don't want to submit to their master. This command speaks to people who really had very limited freedom in, in the workplace. And, you know, some of them might have been treated pretty well. Uh, many of them were not, though. And that's what Peter is addressing you know, the, the challenge here, though, is, is for all, you know, especially those who have not always been treated well. Peter says, be subject to your masters, give them respect, even, even if, even when they're unjust and, and unfair. And, 
probably most of us have, have been in situations where we have been subjected to unjust or unfair treatment in, in the workplace. You know, we need to, that, we need to contextualize this and look at ourselves. Where are we in, in this current time? You know, this applies to us in our workplaces. <coughs> it's still a call for submission to be subject to those who, who are above us in the workplace, whether it be the owner or the manager, the supervisor. It's a call for submission. You know, the, the same principles of attitude, principles of heart apply here. So, you know, by by being subject to our superiors in the workplace, we have a chance to shine as Christians. We can be different. By being subject to those who work who, who we work for, we're, we're being obedient to God. This same principle carries on here. You know, the Apostle Paul gives us a an, an, uh, parallel passage, Colossians 2, excuse me, Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing for the fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. When we when we submit to our our masters in the workplace, we are submitting to God. We're pleasing God. We're commanded to do this. This is this is in very stark co- contrast to having a, a, a heart of uh, insubordination and, and rebellion. And uh, you know, what if we what if we're treated unfairly? What if we are treated unfairly? You know, un- unlike a household slave, probably most of us have the uh, option to to quit and find another job. But if we choose to stay, we need to have the right bearing. You know, the the, the household slaves in the first century didn't didn't have the same uh, options we did. Many of them did suffer by the hands of their masters. But Peter says when that happens, this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, Paul's going to address this more in, in uh, chapter 3, unjust suffering. We'll look at that later. But if we suffer because we've done wrong, what he's saying is, well, maybe we Maybe we've brought that suffering on, on to ourselves. But if we suffer for doing right, God will give us grace. You know, Jesus, Jesus said something about this in the Beatitudes, right? If we suffer for righteousness' sake, we'll, we'll be blessed. Well, this, this submission thing is, is a tall order. It really is. I don't see a lot of people left. Uh, going, yes, it's a tall order, you know, but uh, when, when submission costs us, 
when it, when it just doesn't make sense, what are we to do? How are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to have this, the strength to do this? Because everything within us wants to uh, rise up and assert ourselves, assert our rights, to strike back, to uh, return reviling for reviling, evil for evil. That's our flesh. You know, maybe maybe, this, maybe some here are, are, are struggling with this kind of thing right now. I don't know. But Peter gives us the key to how we're to do this. We need to look to our Lord. We need Jesus. And he's our example. That's point number three. Peter continues in verse 21. For this, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he reviled, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. In all ways, Jesus showed us how we should be, what our conduct should look like. Peter points out Christ's suffering. He, he suffered for us, and he left an example. We need to follow in, in his steps. He, he did not sin. He was, he was not deceitful in any way. He, he didn't repay reviling for reviling. He didn't retaliate in kind. He, you know, he suffered and never threatened anybody who, who abused him. He trusted in God who is the just judge. He didn't consider his, his own comfort. He didn't demand fairness. He, he endured unjust treatment. Uh, he, he allowed himself to be mocked and abused and tortured and murdered. And he did it for us that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. He was concerned for our healing, not his comfort. He, he, he laid them down, his, his rights, he, just, he laid them down for our sake. He, he laid down his very life for us. Uh, and Peter says, Jesus gave us an example in this. This is how we are to be. This is the heart we are to have. As to Jesus' example, there's, there's, a, there's a passage in the Gospel of John that I find very intriguing, and this really hit me uh, several weeks ago when in our Bible study we were going through this passage in uh, John 19. Let me read this, uh, starting in verse 9. It's... This is, this is when Jesus comes before Pilate. It says, he entered his, his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have the authority to uh, crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. 
Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greatest sin. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Pilate says, I've got the authority to to let you go or to kill you. And, And Jesus essentially is saying, yep, you sure do. And Jesus then explains, explains why this is so. He didn't, he didn't tell Pilate, you know, I'm God incarnate. I created you. I created this, this earth and this universe. No man has authority over me. I'm innocent and I demand to be released. He could have just, boom, done whatever he wanted. And, and walked away, but he didn't. He didn't say anything like that. He didn't do anything like that. He acknowledged Pilate's authority. Jesus Christ submitted to Pilate. He submitted to this tyrannical Roman governor. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus was obedient unto death, even even death on the cross. And Jesus submitted to the authority of God. He says, yes, Pilate, you have authority, but that authority flows from God, and that's why you have it. Philippians 2, 8 through 9. And uh, I quote this verse frequently. Two verses. Being found in human form, Talking about Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus laid down his rights, putting us first before himself. He he laid down his life. He he was obedient to God. He, He submitted to the governor. In in doing so, he suffered for us and he left us an example that we might follow in his steps is what Peter is saying. That's God's word. Peter's bringing up this example of Jesus because it's an example of of the heart of submission and obedience. And he knows that for us, this is difficult. It it just totally goes against our, our nature but we're called to consider that his act of submission was the greatest act of submission ever. We're to consider that he did it for us. It says, he, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For while, or for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We're the beneficiaries of, of his obedience. He, he took us from death to life. He took us from utter darkness to his marvelous light, Peter said earlier. He took us from sin to righteousness. He took us from being wounded to being healed. He took us from straying to being returned to the shelter of the good shepherd who watches over us. You know, the call for our submission pales by comparison to what Jesus submitted to. You know, compared to what Jesus Christ has done for us, this is nothing. Uh, 
I'd like to draw a parallel from one of Jesus's parables. Bear with me here. This one, this one actually deals with forgiveness, but it's, it's the same idea. God forgave us greatly, and we're called to forgive really something that's pretty minor compared by comparison, very small by what Christ has done for us. This is from Matthew 18, starting verse 21. Kind of a long one here, bear with me. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When, one, when he began to, began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had that payment may be made. And so the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, just just a small fraction of what he had been forgiven and seizing him. He began to choke him and saying, pay what you owe, pay what you owe. So his fellow fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have shown mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So we're we're to forgive as we have been forgiven. We're, We're to forgive really... I mean, we can't forgive that much, just a little bit by comparison. God's forgiveness is is so much greater than than ours. Well, the same goes with submission. That's what I'm getting at. You know, the question is, are we able to do in return, in submission, as we're commanded, even a small measure of what has been done for us? You know, this, this should put things into perspective for us. Let me, let me wrap this up. Um, you know, the, the point is all, all authority flows from God, and that's, that's a basic principle we need to keep in mind. And these words, be subject to, submit, they go against our grain. We know that. We're not naturally submissive. submissive. We're, we're naturally rebellious. I think every one of us could make that admission. We, you know, we might even fa- find ourselves being pretty proud of our, our rebellious nature. But these are the ways of the world. These are not the ways of God. These are, these are the ways of disobedience. And we need to make sure that we don't conform to the world. We need to conform to the image, of, be conformed to the image of Christ and follow his example. 
And we need God's grace in this area. We, we need to walk in the spirit and obey God's word in, in these matters. You know, we need to surrender our hearts to him and be the way he wants us to be. Let him completely transform us because we are his servants. Is our submission our, our blue marble? You know, Jesus asked a very pointed question in Luke six forty six. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? We stand on very shaky ground when when we change his commands in our minds to accommodate our own desires. We need to submit to him. It's a, it's a matter of heart. It's a matter of heart. Do we have hearts of defiance or do we have hearts of submission? Let's pray. Uh, our Father, this is uh, this is difficult stuff, and uh, just starting with me, Lord, my my heart is is deficient. I need you, Lord. I need your Spirit in in my flesh. In in our flesh, Lord, we we want to uh, assert our defiance and assert our rights. Uh, but you would have us to submit to others, Lord, to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood. Lord, help rid us of our pride. As you, Jesus, became obedient and submissive, Lord, help us to to do the same thing, Lord. Help us to work not as unto men, but as unto you, that we would live lives that are that are pleasing to you lord that our hearts would reflect your nature i pray this in jesus name amen